Hello and welcome to In Focus, a series of interviews with members of Retin International and also our clinical and research colleagues. As the world navigates through this new reality of self-isolation and social distancing, we want to take this opportunity not only to inform you, our members and stakeholders, about the ongoing work in our space, but to highlight some of the real challenges that COVID-19 is bringing to the communities in the different regions we serve. Today, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Professor Juliana Salom, who will be known to many of our members. She's a specialist in inherited retinal degenerations and a geneticist, and she also is a professor at the Federal University of Sao Paulo in Brazil. Um, so Juliana tonight is going to speak to us about the impact of COVID-19 on her work as an ophthalmologist and on her colleagues. Juliana, thank you very much for being with us. Thank you. Um, it would be better in a, a better situation because this COVID yes. has changed the life of everybody. But uh, hello for everybody. Uh, I, I have a lot of friends in Retina International, so hi for all of you. I miss you so much. I hope we still can meet uh, at the Retina International meeting. Uh, but let's work today and talk about the uh, how the disease is changing our lives. So the world is really globalized nowadays. So it's been just some weeks and uh, all the world is facing the same issues that uh, China and uh, Italy and Spain, so it's spread all over and it reached uh, Brazil also. Uh, the COVID arrived uh, in some points of Brazil. Uh, it entered uh, through Sao Paulo, it's the big city. A lot of people travel all around, so uh, it probably uh, came here and some major uh, capitals. And we are really very concerned because uh, it's a very diverse uh, city uh, with a lot of uh, different neighborhoods uh, with uh, better uh, health access and others are uh, more difficult to have the proper uh, environment to uh, like avoid spreading the virus. And when we, we think about uh, nationally, like the whole Brazil, uh, they are very different uh, areas and it's not only in Sao Paulo, it's spread all over the country, uh, major in, in some capitals and, and we are everybody hiding at home so we are not being able to uh, see our patients in the clinic since ophthalmology is not the big uh, emergency at the moment so we are trying to learn how to deal with this uh, moment. Are you using um, any technology to, 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 to talk to your parent, uh, to your patients and keep in contact with them? Um, and are there any concerns from your patients? I know that there are some issues with respect to treatments. Um, members of Retin International will know that there are treatments for neovascular AMD and forms of diabetic uh, related eye disorders patients obviously can't go and get their treatment. So are you hearing from them? Is there any way in which you can reach out to them in this in this current uh, situation? Uh, yeah, we, the disease just came uh, slowly in the first days and then it jumped to a major problem and everything got 
shut down. So in the beginning, we are trying to see the, the most uh, severe cases that need uh, like uh, more emergent uh, care. But since uh, last week, everything was shut down. So we have to reinvent ourselves. We have to uh, call the patients, postpone the, 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 the scheduled consultations they had and examinations and uh, even surgeries were canceled because the same hospitals that we do the surgery are being called for uh, being used for the care of the COVID uh, patients. So uh, everything has been kind of locked down and we have to reanalyze and think what is really uh, the major uh, emergent things. What if you have a like in ophthalmology, retinal detachment, that, that mm -hmm. has to be fixed at, despite of the issue of being everything locked down. Then uh, there are issues that are uh, need to be taken care of soon, but not as emergent like, like the first group, like the, the retinal detachment, the uh, eye trauma, that is really emergent. Then the second group, we have to handle and try to uh, do some effort to see those patients. Uh, but whatever is not really um, emergence, we, mm -hmm. we are asked to kind of postpone. Yes. Okay, if you postpone one week, two weeks, okay, but we don't know exactly when this is going to finish. So uh, we, we have to keep in, in contact with the patient and see what is really uh, emergent, what is really uh, important to be seen uh, now. And for example, the, uh, the AMD patients that are doing injections, uh, yes. they are a very time sensitive uh, group because if you postpone too much, then you can have damage on their vision. So we, we know our patients, we, we try to, to contact like, um, doing some uh, rough telemedicine because telemedicine is being uh, still being built. We don't have a complete uh, legislation to be using it, but at this mm -hmm. emergent moment, we yes. are using everything we have for communication. The patients mm -hmm. are sending WhatsApp emails and they got in contact and we kind of see exams they have tried to solve the complaints that are easy to be solved. Uh, but uh, we don't have uh, telemedicine right, ready for the moment. But uh, in this this kind of timing, that's how uh, the timing the, the time that we uh, have to use those tools, and they will go into the clinic. And I, I bet it that even when it everything is finished, they're gonna be very much used uh, because. Uh, we realize it's very important to connect to our patients and telemedicine using all the efforts, all uh, the, the communication tools that we have has been uh, very important in those uh, two weeks in which we are locked down. Yes, we, it's, it's we interesting. It's interesting. This. Yes. We, we sort of we, are we, hearing we, a lot from, from our patients that, you know, um, Sometimes it's it's in a in a situation like this that you they're reverting back to the old-fashioned methods, and yet technology 
um, in its infancy and around this, this whole area of telemedicine in certain regions is really starting to take hold. And, and we see the, the real importance, particularly for ophthalmology. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about, about remote access. Um, and for many years, it just shows you the value of it, in particular in very large spread out populations that you, you would have. One of the questions that we've been asked, Juliana, by um, some members is, you know, when you're dealing with people with age-related macular degeneration in particular, you are dealing with what is considered an at-risk group um, at this time, you know, in, in this particular circumstance with COVID-19. Do you think that when, and we hope it will be in the not too distant future, we do get back to some sense of normality, do you think that it will be the same for the elderly population that they will be maybe not not as quick to come back to into the healthcare system because of of concerns still around the virus yes uh the, there are two moments the the one in which everybody is locked down and there is no way what to do uh and after there is should be a, a recover plan when uh, things are getting better, uh, the, the diseases uh, curves are going down and uh, we are able to reach the, the fast tests that can uh, check who already have serology positive. That uh, mm -hmm. it means that they already have uh, antibodies for the COVID and mm -hmm. then we can kind of uh, try to reorganize and try to relieve some services and uh, from that one we, we have to check what are the, the patients to go out so probably the, the elder elderly population are the ones that will be kept inside for a longer time so mm -hmm. we we have to, to see if the disease uh, they have in the macular is is uh, going bad or if it's stable it depends, for example, the phase of the disease they have. If they like have a, a, a age-related macular degeneration that is just show up and you haven't had time to start treating and you are in the starting moment that you have to do injections more frequently. And that is likely the patient that you have to, to treat urgently. Uh, the other ones that are already kept into the uh, the monthly injection or the monthly or three monthly depending uh, how is the the regime in which the patient is uh, if they are they their vision is stabilized so it's okay to kind of postpone two weeks one month and if everything is stable then uh, but if the, the patient is feeling that their vision is going uh, worse then they have to talk with their doctor to see if they have a, a possibility to see uh, some clinics are trying to handle less patients, uh, like yes. a, a patient have half an hour of, of, uh, of every hour, something like that, or uh, coming in and coming out without seeing other patients in the way. Uh, av avoid places in which you are going to uh, go into the, the COVID clinic. So some uh, outside areas in the hospital, if it's in the hospital, yes. if it's in, a, in the eye clinic, then it's easy. But even though we don't know exactly who is carrying 
the, of course, the COVID. So the we, we never know if it's somebody in the elevator, is somebody in the garage, we, we never know. So no, we have and, and to use all the, 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 the masks and to have to take care, cleaning the hands and alcohol, gel, everything has to be used to try to avoid contact when you have to go to the clinic. But sometimes you have to go. That's it. And it's really encouraging, um, Juliana, however complicated and, and worrisome a time this is for many of our, our patient members. Um, the fact that ophthalmologists and clinicians such as yourself are looking at how to phase all of this back in and, and having a plan um, and the, the knowledge that they have of their own patients informing those decisions, I think, is does give comfort to people. The other question that we have um, received is in relation to clinical trials. Um, and I know that this is something that is uppermost in many of our members' minds. You know, we are an organization with members who are funding and supporting research into inherited retinal degenerations for almost 50 years now to find treatments. And just as we start to see treatments emerge and more and more clinical trials develop, you know, this situation happens. And so there is a concern among our members about how to deal with this when it comes to clinical trials for IRDs now. I mean, from your perspective, how are you managing that challenge? Yeah, that's been a challenge and it's incredible how uh, the amount of work it's giving to us. So clinical trials, not only the, the work in the clinic, but there is a lot of back office uh, work and we are really working hard uh, in everything that goes to set up the clinical trials, but also to try to reorganize. When you enter in a clinical trial, you agree to come to the clinic and do examinations every month, every three months. It, you have to receive your medication. Uh, and we usually have a, a window of time in which we have to see those patients. For example, if you're supposed to come back to the clinic in three months, but that could be like one week before or two or, or one week after. So we have a window of 15 days uh, in which you have to come back. So we are trying to, to reorganize the, the patient visit according to the window they have, like trying to shift the patient, everybody to the, the end of the window, not to, to change too much the, uh, the way the, the data will be analyzed at the end. Or for example, if you have a clinical trial in which the patient have to do exams like uh, in three months, six months, nine months, 12 months. And if nobody uh, can complete the like the three months visit, so we will end up having this uh, data for analysis in the end. So we, we have to think on not to disturb too much the, the clinical trials to be still able to analyze the data in, in the end. So the, the patient not always see all this back office work, but we are trying to uh, think on each patient that is in the clinical trial, what is best for the patient, what is less risky for the patient, and uh, what is uh, disturbed less the trial. So we have to like put everything in, into measurement to see what 
the decisions we are having to, to do to make sure that we still be able to have all the data that we need from the clinical trial uh, because we have at the end to see if that is good for the patient or not. So, uh, and we are always keeping uh, patient safety first. That's yes. been all the, the major issue in all the clinical trials. So patient safety first, then let's see what we can do to like minimize all the, the problems that we had. And the disruption, it's, it sounds like, you know, from, from, from your explanation that work is still continuing and, you know, you're finding ways to ensure that you are um, getting the patients in at the time that they need to be and, and monitoring as, as you need to. So that's very encouraging for our community to hear. Um, and, you know, I would really like to thank you, Juliana, for giving us the time today. I know you're extremely busy. Um, as you pointed out, you know, just because you can't be in the clinic doesn't mean that you're not exceptionally busy reorganizing and really forward planning. Uh, it's very important that, you know, you, you are doing that and we really appreciate the work that you are carrying out. And we really appreciate the time that you've taken to inform us and keep us updated um, on, on your work and the impact of the COVID-19 in Brazil as well. So we will be thinking of you and your patients and your members in Retina Brazil, and uh, we wish you all of the best. Thank you. All of the, the best for you too. It's been a pleasure to talk with you. And I will say um, the best wishes for everybody that is taking care of the patients in those days, because it's really very risky. Even uh, my team that is in the, the clinic and the clinical trials and the hospital, they are being very courageous to face uh, the, the fear of getting um, the, the mm -hmm. infection themselves. And they are being very brave and going ahead and try to do the best decisions for the patients. Thank you, Avril. It's been a pleasure to talk with you. Bye, people. Thank you. Thank you so much and all the best.